Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, we love the vendors and volunteers at the Boise Farmers Market, but how's the vibe? Contributor and ag kid Jocelyn Robertson is here to tell us what you can't miss at the market right now. Plus, she shares how not to act while you're there. It's Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Jocelyn, welcome back to CityCast Boise. Hi, Emma. Nice to be back. So we met last weekend at the Boise Farmer's Market, the one-off Americana, and I just want to start by talking about the vibe. (laughs) Well, we met, also so did everybody else in the city of Boise (laughs) and maybe surrounding area. (laughs) Yeah. It was the most packed I have ever ever seen it. The parking lot was full. All the parking lots around were full. People were walking great distances, parking at the park and walking over. I've never seen it like that before. I was there before nine and I texted you and said, there's no parking. And it's like, it isn't even open yet. So yeah, for sure. It was very, very busy. And it is the place to be on a Saturday morning in Boise. Yeah, and I I wanna I wanna talk about this, but I do not want to pick on the Boise Farmers Market. I know they've struggled to find a permanent home. This is not a knock against the vendors or the amazing people who run the market, but like walking around, I was like, it was so hot, it was so packed. Um, people were pretty aggro. There was a like the vibe was kind of off. And I was walking around going, like, dang, you know what? Like, we're too cool a city for our farmers market to be in an unshaded parking lot. Like, I hate to criticize because I do love the Boise Farmers Market people so much, but God, that is a rough location. Yes. And I think that they're actually going to be moving permanently to the Idaho Botanical Gardens out Warm Springs. So that will be a beautiful location. Yeah. Uh, We reached out to them. I have not heard back, but I I heard that rumor as well. And I'm really hoping that's true because I, you know, walking around, I thought, gosh, this is such a bummer because I know, I know they had reasons for leaving downtown. I understand those reasons, but I was like, it, it didn't ever feel like there was a meander in sight. This is what I've envisioned in a farmer's market. You roll out of bed. You, you know, you don't do anything with your hair. You just sort of get down there and you stroll. I want to stroll. I want to meander. I want to stop and get a coffee and then a donut. And there was very little strolling or meandering. There were too many people for that in too small a space. And there's a lot of lines. A so lot of lines. you are yeah. going to have to wait in line for your coffee. When I got there, like I said before nine, the line for Acme was at least 50 people long. Yeah. So yeah. that's a way to start your day. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was uh, a lot of waiting in lines, a lot of waiting to talk to vendors. But let's talk farmer's market etiquette for a second, because I think, like I said, the vibe was aggro. 
people were very, the vendors were rushed and in kind of a bad mood. People were in a brushed and in a bad mood. But we saw some bad apples. And I feel like putting farmer's market etiquette out there may relieve some of this stress. Yeah. I mean, it's a crowded spot. There isn't a beginning or an end. So it's kind of hard for people to like get a flow going. Um, But I do think that if you're prepared, like I was totally prepared. I had my hat. I had my sunscreen. I had my sunglasses. I took my own bags or basket. Take cash. Be prepared with small bills. Some of the vendors definitely do take cards, but many of them don't. A lot more than I realized. Like I hadn't brought cash. Luckily, you loaned me $7, and uh, which I'll never pay you back probably, (laughs) but... But I was like, oh, crap, it didn't even occur to me that a lot of these people would be all cash. And so, yeah, definitely bring cash as a big one. And they do have an ATM there, but I have seen it on the fritz a number of times. So don't count on the ATM working. And don't take your dog. Yes. Every single time I go, somebody's brought their dog. There's signs everywhere. No dogs, no dogs, no dogs. And it's just not the place. I mean, we love to take our dogs out. We like, you know, to take them on the green belt, things like that. But it's just not the place to take your dog. And there's always a handful of people who are like, they don't mean my dog. They right. don't mean my adorable Labrador. And it's there's way too many people. There's food out, samples and stuff. Definitely not a place for your dog. We got into a funny kind of altercation when we were in line that made me, I already adore you, but it was <laughs> times 10 right there. Um, because someone, a woman in line told you, you said, I can't tell if this corn is ripe or not. And she said, oh, just peel it. And you said... No, the farmers hate when you do that. I'm not going to peel the corn. The farmers beg you not to do that. And she was like, I do it. And you're like, yeah, and they hate that. They do not like when you do that. Please do not do that. So please explain more why why you, the farmers do not want you to mess with the produce. Well, you got to trust your farmers. And if you have a question about ripeness, ask the farmer or ask the yeah. vendor whether it's, you know, whether something's ripe, whether it needs a few days. But if you're manhandling the fruit It's just like, do you want to buy a tomato that's been touched by 30 people and squeezed? Like, it's not going to be any good if everybody's touching everything. And the corn, everybody peels it back. And then it looks like in their beautiful assortment of corn, it just looks like a disarray. And so it makes it less likely that somebody's going to buy it if somebody else has handled it a bunch. And also, if you don't buy it, if you're like, oh, this corn's not ripe, you just exposed it to the air. So it's going to go bad a lot faster. So that farmer can't just take it home and sell it next week, which they could probably do with corn. So, right. yeah, I, it's okay to sniff. Yeah, like yeah, you can- for sure. And you'll be able to smell. But like I said, ask your, like I was having a dinner party. And so what I needed, I needed to be fresh for that day and I needed it to be ripe. So what did I do? When I bought a melon, I said, would this be good for today or should this be for a couple of days away? Like the their vendors are going to know the ripeness of whatever they're selling. And so for sure, ask. And that's something I love about going to a farmer's market with you. Uh, you are so adventurous and you, you'll just be like, what is this? <laughs> and then buy it. And how do <laughs> you know, I use always- it? And how do I use it? And I, it's like something, it's like got spikes on it. It's uh, it's it looks weird. And I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah. And you take it home and you make something amazing out of it. And I Absolutely. love that you're, yeah. you're I, so curious. I got to try a new melon that I hadn't tried before called a canary melon. It was an adorable, like personal size melon. And I was wanting to provide some melon for appetizers for my dinner party. And so this melon was really small. And he said it was similar to... 
like a honeydew, but like a little more citrus in flavor. And it had this beautiful rind and I was able to just slice it into these, you know, little slices and it was so delicious. We saw people being pretty rude uh, and kind of awful to some of the vendors. It makes sense that some of the vendors were not in a great mood. Um, samples. How, wh- let's talk sample etiquette. If somebody is offering samples, for sure, take one. But don't expect the vendor to provide you a sample of something they're not already providing samples of. You know, you go to the grocery store all the time, and I know you buy produce, and you're not just snacking at the grocery store. And so don't do that at the farmer's market. That's actually merchandise. Somebody's selling that. (laughs) Um, If you have a question about how something tastes or flavor or ripeness, of course, ask. Um, And they may offer you a sample of something, but don't just assume that you can get a sample of whatever you want. And... uh something we saw, a lot of line cutting, not a lot of of sort of just stepping up and talking to the vendor while they're trying to deal with other people. Uh, There is a line. And also, we saw a lot of people trying to talk to vendors at length and when they had 20 to 30 people in their line, didn't we? I waited for about 15 minutes behind somebody who knew I was waiting in line behind her and was just I think on purpose, taking an extra long time. It was probably your corn nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm always really surprised. It's like, it's this busy. This isn't your socialization time. I mean, obviously we want to get to know the people that are producing our food, but there's a time and a place. And if you're there when it's so busy, I mean, if you really want to chat with people, I would say go a little bit later when it's not as busy. But if there's a line, keep it to the questions that you have and don't make it social social time. Because of course, most of them are lovely and will stand there and chat with you. Yeah. Um, But be conscientious of everybody else's time. You mentioned uh, the grocery store earlier and something I (laughs) feel like we have to talk about is uh, haggling. People seem to think that at the farmer's market, you're haggling. And it's like, no, this you're not haggling at the grocery store. You don't need to do that at the farmer's market. Like you're, you're paying for something special in in a sense. That's why it's a little higher price than at a grocery store. Right. You're paying for the experience of buying your food from a community member. You're helping support small, low-carbon footprint farming, very fresh produce. Um, It is going to cost a little bit more. You know, if you are wanting to buy like a large quantity of something, and sometimes there are discounts available, I would say, first of all, just look at the signs on, you know, the stations because they will oftentimes have like a quantity discount, but don't offer a price to somebody. All of the farmers bring in their food knowing that they can sell it at the farmer's market. So they don't really need to like get rid of it to you for a deal. I think the one time there might be some discounts if you're looking for a deal would be at the very end of the day. But even then, I think a lot of the produce goes to like the mobile markets or they may have another outlet that they sell their food. So they're setting their prices for a reason. It's not arbitrary. It's what the, it costs them. It's what it's worth to them. So pay that. Um, any other tips? I know you gave me a great one. You said you actually don't just sign up for the um, farmer's market email list. You also do it for individual farms. Right. And they many of them do send out a weekly email where they tell you what they're going to have at the farmer's market. I know Purple Sage, I belong to theirs. They have beautiful photos always of their produce, which gets you really in the mood to shop. Um, And they send out recipes that 
include the items that they'll have at the market that week. So they give you ideas of maybe some things that you might want to make. They also will offer you, um, if there are discounts or deals or things like that, that would be through their email list. So I would sign up for that. Well, and something else, um, you know, I tend to, when I go, I kind of hit like the same three stalls and something I loved going with you because you were like, no, I, I try to get like a range, hit a range of vendors here. Um, and you decided you were going to buy uh, specifically from refugee farmers this time. And everything, you know, everything was like beautiful and delicious. And I tend to like, I hit rice, you know, because they're mm-hmm. family friends of ours. And, um, but I love the idea of like going, you know, getting one thing from each stall kind of, and like trying a range of things. Right. Well, as we saw, uh, at least 10 of the vendors had beautiful, beautiful beets and mm-hmm. I love beets. So how am I going to decide? So I want to get my beets from different farms each time I go. Um, I think they're probably really similar in quality. So it's not about getting, you know, the best quality from one vendor. It's about, you know, supporting all of our local farmers. And we do have a lot of refugee farmers now at the farmer's market and fabulous produce. All right. So let's talk about it. What did you get? Speaking of beets, I know you got beets, right? I got beets and you got beets and we got, got beets, beets also, from yeah. different spot. I got mine from Chimwaga Six Farm. Um, and they are farmers originally from Somalia via Kenya. I got beets and carrots. Then from Graceful A Veggie Farm, I got corn and garlic. I got Swiss chard and spring onions from Mbanda Farm. Again, they've been in the United States from since 2004 from Kenya. I got these beautiful French radishes, which are kind of a long, like an oblong radish from New Hope Farm. Then you bought beets and onions from Safari Farms. Yes, and they were wonderful. It's a woman-owned uh, refugee farming business, and um, it's uh, a woman and her daughters, and they help her in the fields and at the market, and it had a very family feel. One of her daughters, actually, when I was talking to her, said, oh, yeah, you know, we've really become kind of an essential part of you know, uh, the local food system and also the refugee community. And I just thought it was really neat how proud her daughters, who are young, they're they're teenager age, I think, um, were so proud of her, their mom and so proud of the business she had built. Yeah. And she had a beautiful stand of mm-hmm. lots of different things. So I hear you haven't cooked your beets yet, even though it's been Oh my God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll make them today. Okay. I'll make them today. Uh, <laughs> that's the struggle for me is I buy beets every time. And then I'm always like, crap, now I have to make these beets. But I love to buy them because they're so beautiful. And they always just like, they just look so tempting. Uh, what else did we get? I think you got some, you got some marmalade. Is that right? I, I did. Remember. I bought some orange marmalade from the Jelly Lady. She makes over 40 varieties of jams, jellies, butters, and preserves. And she's been at the farmer's market for over 20 years. So I tend to buy from her frequently because I know the quality of her stuff is really high. And then for the first time, I tried um, some of the salsa matcha from Chicana Foods. I was hoping you'd bring that up. Yeah, the Chicana Foods salsa matcha. Boise, you have to try it. It's so delicious. Wow. Uh, So I had a dinner party and I made a salsa fresca with some of my fresh veg. And I bought a green salsa and a red salsa, kind of a fresh salsa. And then I had the salsa matcha. And it was that hit of my dinner party. Everybody loved it. So a salsa matcha, which is made using like seeds, nuts, chilies, oils, dried fruit. So it's a really different, it's almost more like a chili crisp 
style salsa. And this one is made by Allison Corona with the help of her sisters, Claudia and Giovanna. And uh, they use family, traditional family recipes that's, that have been handed down over decades. And they're definitely worth it. Uh, I really loved, um, I, well, I I can't even walk past them without buying something. Next Generation Organics has amazing plants and like really interesting uh, uh, native plants and um, flowering plants and I mean, and herbs and stuff like that. And every time I walk by, I buy at least two plants because I'm always like, oh, what's this? I haven't seen this before. So I did get two there. They're one of my favorites. And then my husband wants us, <laughs> me to shout out uh, Solari Pizzeria because the solar powered pizza truck there, he actually got in line because it was one of the shorter lines for food and he was really hungry. And then he got a uh, pizza and he was like, this is so good. And it's all solar powered. Their whole food truck is all solar powered, which he thought was very cool. So those were my two favorites. I suggested that he uh, that we sit in the shade in the grass while and he could eat his pizza. And he was like, no, I'm just going to eat this pizza. It was so good. And it smelled so good <laughs> that he was like, I'll just was walk walking. and eat at this. Yeah. <laughs> he was walking and eating a whole pizza. Yeah, that's how good it was. Did you have any other favorites? Um, so I used the marmalade uh, in a cake. I did a like a beautiful butter cake and then sliced it and put uh, the orange marmalade between the layers and then just uh, put whipped cream and fresh berries. I did want to say like it is berry season in Idaho right now. And so like I just love to get strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, huckleberries, like whatever, and get an assortment of berries. And they also had cherries. I noticed from Emmett, although I refrained from buying cherries because I will just eat them all in one <laughs> sitting. <laughs> you little um, cherry goblin. I am for sure. I, you can't, I, if you buy me a thing of cherries, that whole thing is gone. I'm, exactly. I love them so much. Yeah. So get berries. Yeah. Get berries. It's berry time. Uh, the peaches and the apricots are about ready on the slopes too. Don't forget about those. Um, any other, I know we're shouting, you know, we're talking about the Boise Farmer's Market because that's where we're closest to, but any other markets around the Treasure Valley you hit up regularly or you want to shout out? Yeah, I think it would be great for, to send some business beyond the Boise Farmer's Market uh, because there are great markets in the Treasure Valley uh, in Nampa, they have a farmer's market from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, on Saturdays. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And that's at Lloyd Square, right? Right. Lloyd Square Lloyd Park. Square Park. Yeah. Um, and that's April through October. Then Meridian has a Main Street market every Saturday, same time, 9 to 1, on Broadway between Meridian Road and Main Street at Meridian City Hall. Uh, Eagle has their Eagle Saturday market from uh, nine to two. And they also often have like craft vendors, um, music. So it's a real community type event. And then I love an evening market a lot in the summer. And the Caldwell Farm to Fork Farmers Market is part of Tuesdays on the Creek at Indian Creek in downtown Caldwell. And also they have summer concerts down there during that time. So you can get veg midweek, which is awesome. Yeah. And you can make a real evening of it too, because you yeah. could go out there, listen to music, eat at a mano, my favorite. So yeah, you could really have a nice time out there. And then I did mention it before, but I wanted to shout out again, the mobile market for Boise Farmers Market, because it's like a bookmobile only for vegetables. And if you just look at their website, they have 16 different locations that they hit throughout the city 
uh, during the week. And they're in my neighborhood in Kesha Park on Tuesdays. And they have this great van that has all this fresh veg in it. Um, And then you can just pop down and grab what you need. I love that. I didn't even know they did that. That's really cool that they're bringing it to individual neighborhoods. I'll have to look up the schedule for that because that is very, very cool. All right, Jocelyn, thank you so much for the rundown and for the etiquette rules. I think that that is all great information to have. And I can't wait to see you on a Saturday morning down at the market. I'll see you there. Thanks, Emma. And before you head out, when we taped this episode, the news about the Boise Farmers Market eventually moving to the Idaho Botanical Garden was just a rumor, but according to the Idaho Statesman, it is confirmed. The nonprofit has struggled to find a home since it was founded 11 years ago, but once phase one of the garden's updates are done in a few years, they will finally have a year-round space for around 100 to 125 vendors. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, you can find more amazing Dog Days of Boise content on our website at citycast.boise.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning talking about some new possible protections for Boise renters. Bye. Bye.